So we are going to get ready to start. I know. I was using I was using up one minute so that we started right on time. All right. So it is two fifteen. So we're going to get. So we're going to talk about supporting small group leaders. Uh, and I don't know if I should be quite this transparent, but I'm going to. Um, when I submitted this back in September or October, when we were putting the synergy schedule to together, and I submitted the description, and I had this whole, I felt like there was this whole vision of what this session was supposed to be about. When I submitted the description, the problem is I didn't write that down. Right. And so when I started to prepare for this, I don't know if any of you have ever done this. I was sitting here thinking, what was this supposed to be about? <laughs> right. Because I had this. It, it was all there and I didn't write it down at the time. Now, God is gracious. And I, with some prayer and reflection, gave me an outline for this. I don't know if it was the original outline. Or if it has been upgraded or changed since then, because I, I literally cannot remember what the original design for this was. So we have what the design is now. And so whatever it is, it's kind of what, what I think got wanted to happen. It is fresh revised version. Yes. And so Shanna here is going to help with this. She's going to share. Uh, some of her experience from a small group leader standpoint. Uh, Shannon's at Radiant Life Church with me, and uh, she has a small group for young adults. Uh, they call Open Club, and they meet the first Friday of the month uh, for the official small group, but then they do a lot of other things. So as we go throughout this, um, there's different spots where she's going to share some of her experiences. So you kind of get that firsthand account of, of, of some of the things, things, including some of the challenges and, and, and other things and some of what's worked and, and, and whatnot. So I've divided this into four parts. So just to give you a, an example or give you a layout of what's going to happen, four parts, each designed to take roughly around 15 minutes or so, so that we, um, we have 60 minutes. So, um, and it is designed to be interactive. And so there's going to be a conversation. Um, and which means you have to talk. Okay. So conversation means there's back and forth. Okay. Just <laughs> so we, we know that. Um, and, and, um, it's not really designed to say, here is the answer for you or for your church or for your situation. I think, Ashley, you've heard me say this probably every time we've, uh, uh, we've had one of these because each of you have a unique DNA of your church, of your membership, right? There will be some principles and some concepts that can apply, right? And that should apply. But the exact, um, way that you implement that within your church, within your group is going to vary because the DNA, your demographics, your culture of your church, your vision, your mission is going to be different. I am not a believer in the one size fits all, right? There's no cookie cutter way of doing small groups. Now, if you read books, books will leave you with the impression that there is, right? Because generally a book is written by someone who has done a small group in a particular way in their church. They've had great success. 
So, and I've read lots of different ones. There's Activate, and that one looks at more, uh, has one model for doing groups that are more of a semester-based model. And then there's kind of Sticky Church that has more of a sermon-based model. And, you know, there's various models out there, and all of them have their pluses and minuses, okay? Um, and they all, they, they all work in certain situations, Right, but you have to understand your culture to figure out what's really going to work best. So what we're going to look at here is going to be on the small group leader itself. And there's, again, it's going to be some principles, but you're still going to have to think about what you're trying to accomplish and who your small group leaders are and what, and, and kind of where they fit within all of this. Okay. So where we're going to start is this idea of what's we, what we're requiring of small group leaders. What's the whole role or purpose of small group leaders? Um, what is it that we are asking of them? And I made a list of a few, and then I'm going to ask you to add to this. Right? Um, generally, when we think of small group leaders, or when I think of small group leaders, I'm thinking of people who are going to encourage growth. Right? So they're going to encourage growth of the small group members. And that may be in the use of their gifts. That may be taking another step on their spiritual journey. In some way, they're encouraging growth. They're going to help guide life application, right? Because on a Sunday morning, you may be able to give some, you're, you're going to get, there's going to be a sermon and there's going to be points given, but the life application happens as you go day to day, you know, throughout the week and whatnot. So I, in theory, they're going to help guide life application, administer care, um, teach and lead discussion, facilitate conversation, direct fellowship, right? Getting people to actually uh, connect with one another, to have fun together, hopefully, um, some of those things. And then mentoring, help people learn how to hear from God. Generally through modern, be it through uh, directed prayer, through various techniques that they do to help them lead. What else would you add to that list? When you think of your small group leaders, what else would you put in on that? Anything else? Should you put care? I did mention administering care, yes. Interesting enough, not all small groups that I've interacted with across the state at this point include that, but I do think it's a fundamental part of small group life is care, right? You cannot expect a care. And here I'm really am talking about pastoral, what some might call pastoral care. Um, you can't really expect a pastoral team, be it, it doesn't matter the size, you know, whether it's five, six, 10, I really don't, doesn't really matter size. You can't expect them to provide the care for the entire congregation. Uh, uh, and when you think of all the things that happen in life, right? So some of that care aspect has to come from the small group. It is a critical part of community. What else would you put on there? Um, getting to know each other. That's what happened to ours because, you know, I've been in church with people for two or three years. I don't know what about. Getting to know each other. So facilitating that connection. Okay. Anything else? Other things? Oh, it sounds like a pretty comprehensive list. 
Uh, what I would sum all of that up in is a word that for some reason we really don't use for small group leaders very much, and it is discipleship. All right, all of that, basically, all those things we list is discipleship. That's what it is. Those are the components of discipleship. So we are basically asking our small group leaders to be discipleship and I'm going to dare to use the word pastor. It's not about a vocational standing, okay? But that's basically what we're asking them to do. We're asking them to take a discipleship leadership, you know, the lead from a discipleship standpoint, right? So when you think about that, when you think about it, um, you think about what we're asking of them, then it begs the question as to what behaviors, what skills, what talents are actually necessary for someone to disciple someone else, right? We always are asking who would make for a good small group leader, right? Well, if we're asking them to lead people in discipleship, what's required to lead people in discipleship? Knowledge. Some level of knowledge, Some right? Knowledge. You, you probably don't want them to have never opened the Bible before. Yeah. That, that could be problematic. What else? Some people skills. Probably... Uh, you know, do you want someone who, and I, I need, I'm trying to be careful on how I say this. All right. But if you have a person who we always used to say, and I'm going to use a, a business, what we often, what I often say when I'm coaching people or when I'm going through and hiring and trying to interview people, there are generally two types of, of people when it, are two types of leaders. There are those who, when they, when they leave, right, the energy level changes. Well, let me put it this way. The energy level of, should change when they're from a leader standpoint. The question is, does the energy level change because they are there or does the energy level change because they have left? Right? <laughs> Okay, so are they bringing positive energy or are they negative energy? And when, when they leave, it's like, okay, now, right, now things are pretty good. Oh, you have people who, they are knowledgeable. I, I know people who can quote the Bible backwards and forwards. They can tell you everything about it may even have a gift of prophecy and other things. But when it comes to people skills, social skills, relational skills, um, they just, I don't know if they even know the word smile. I don't know that it's in their vocabulary, right? And they do not know how to connect with people. Is that who you want leading a small group, right? So we do got to get past knowledge. Now, one of the things that I find interesting is, we tend to, um, 
In theory, the behaviors we're looking for comes easier for with individuals with ministry training. And so it actually is easier to have small group leaders that have had some type of ministerial training. But there is a lid to that, right? You can only grow your small group ministry, but so much if that's the requirement. So it begs the question of how, what do you do with everyone else? And we're going to get there. But before we do, um, I'm going to have Shanna share her experience as a small group leader, specifically some of the challenges as someone um, who is leading a small group of young adults that range in age from 18 to 30-ish. Right. And so think of the stages of life they're in. They are somewhere in just graduated high school, going into college, some are in college, some are out of college, married, some are, call, uh, you know, careers and they're still single. And I mean, they're in various different stages. Some have kids, some don't. All right. So yeah. Um, so just thinking about some of the challenges that, um, Matt and I have had to work through. I would say one of the most consistent ones is content. So what type of um, content do we bring to our group for them to continue growing spiritually? Um, So some of the things that we've done in the past to kind of help with that, we did, um, have you guys seen like the Holy Spirit movies, Father of Lights? There's a whole series done by um, the same director. Yeah. Um, so we did one of those and we broke it up into three sections and we'd watch it ahead of time and then watch it with the group and then have discussion questions prepared for afterwards. And a lot of this was kind of developed through just talking with our group and seeing like what they like and what sticks the best. And a lot of times they said discussion sticks better than just teaching alone. Um, Mm -hmm. we've also taught based on Matt just did a, a lesson called red flags. Oh, so, I've, I've heard about that one. So my daughter goes to her life group. Yeah. So we did one called red flags and that was, um, I think last month, February it was about relationships. Um, and it was just kind of giving some sort of a groundwork for, um, you have your, your, must-haves and then you have your wish list kind of and what do you put on that must-have so you look at their parents their family you look at um their personal christian commitment you look at how they treat um other people not just you the person they're trying to date stuff like that and then your wish list of like you know blue or brown eyes or like straight or curly hair i don't know (laughs) what like what can flex and what can't when you are looking for someone um to be in relationship with Um, but a lot of our teaching materials just come out of like Matt and I's personal lives and what, um, we've been reading in the Bible. Our most recent, um, time he just talked about Joshua and Moses and how, when you look at the two, their two, um, kind of seasons of leadership and you see Moses, you know, he hit the rock and the people had all of kind of these troubles under him and we see kind of this one big moment where he failed in leadership and we never really see that with Joshua but we also never see someone raised up behind Joshua and so that's when the Israelites went into um, kind of their seasons of having judges and then having kings and kind of the troubles that continued to grow from there Um, and so from that we kind of talked about um, like raising up leaders behind us and like we 
we don't want to be our our group's own how do I say this greatest weakness right so like for example if an entrepreneur is starting out a company so for I'm a graphic designer by trade and so if I create a company there's a high likelihood that the greatest weakness of my company if I would leave would be graphic design and so we don't want to be, we don't want our strengths to be our group's greatest weakness um I would say the other challenge would have been um, consistency. So we set a consistent schedule for the first year or so that we were running the small group. It was super random. Sorry, I keep motioning to Sam because she's in my group. (laughs) Um, So once we set a consistent schedule and we said first Fridays, we saw our attendance become much more regular because our scheduling was much more regular. Instead of kind of looking at each month one at a time and picking out a day, everyone could kind of anticipate when that was going to be and that helped with our attendance. Right. Um, totality, we're all somewhere in that college college right. prep and the crazy young adult life, so it really helped having that. Like, right. And, and if someone, if people yeah. can't make it, they can't make it, right? It's not changed. That is one of the things I see, um, and I even struggle with that with some of all the small group leaders, right? So even at Radiant, where they will try and get as many people in the sm- find a date that works for as many people as possible within the small group. And so th- it keeps moving. And so then it makes it harder, um, it makes it harder for that consistency. People can't really plan. They can't block it out. They can't get into a routine. It also makes it harder to bring new people into it, right? Because you you can't really give them a date that is actually going to meet. And then you end up, and we have a few of these on our small group listing, and I hope to change that in the next year, but you end up with that call the small group leader for a date or email the small group leader for a date. If you're a new person, Going into a new small group and the advice you get is, you know, this small group will be perfect for you, but we don't know when they meet. Email them or call them. They're not going to follow up. They're not going to do that. Not going to do that. All right. There has to be consistency. So we have to help small group leaders get to that consistency. Right. Um, now, what I wanted to do here was think about this as both what Shanna said about content being a challenge and then about um, just really getting to a structure that is going to make it easy for people to know when when things are going to happen but also this idea that what we're asking of small group leaders is discipleship we're not asking them to create a social club i'm all for fun activities in small group and we'll hear some of the things that this small group does that does because that's where often where connection happens Right. When you have fun together, you hang out together. But if a small group only does connection, only does fellowship, but there isn't that spiritual component, there isn't that spiritual growth, then all you have is a social club that happens to happen as part of a church. That's it. Right. And the reality is we have enough social clubs. And we have enough groups and activities that we can do or belong to. You can belong, you can find a group for almost anything or any interest that you have. Right. So if the goal is discipleship and having that small group leader really take and own that discipleship process, what I want to do is uh, you to take about, uh, two minutes, about two minutes 
and put yourself in the role. Some of you may be small group leaders already, um, or you may lead small groups, but put yourself in the role of a small group leader whose task is to disciple their small group members and say, what would I need? What resources would I need access to? What training would I need? Where, what support would I need for my pastoral team or from others? What would I need to be comfortable leading a group of people in discipleship? Assuming, I, I should qualify this, assuming I have not had any ministerial training. So th- assuming I've not gone to seminary, I've not gone, I've not completed any courses or classes, assuming that I am your typical church member, you know, passionate about people, want to serve, but I have not, I am not a Bible and trained, you know, seminary person or, or any of that thing. This is the mindset we need to have if we're going to support small group leaders, right? Um, if we're going to raise up more than those who are able to come through Bible college or even come through OSOM, like assume that there is none of that. What would the small group leader need? And then we're going to debrief, so. I don't know about you, but I am hot. I am really hot. <laughs> they said if it got hot in here. Oh, okay. I thought it might just be me. Yeah. Then we're gonna be freezing. <laughs> oh, that's okay. You, you, you can leave it. If others are gonna be cold, I'll I'll be fine. I'll I'll manage. <laughs> wow. That's all right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, they had to secure it, which is a sad statement. We're not going to get into, but it's a sad statement of where we're at in this day and age. Yeah. That's why we need discipleship. Yes. (laughs) Hence why we need discipleship. All right. Yes. So what would they need? What are some things you wrote down? Yes. Walk through steps to be prepared to teach others. Okay, a mentor support system. Okay. What else? I have a couple. Um, clear expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of painting a picture. What What does a meeting look like in its basic sense? Uh, what do you expect out of me? Um, what a What a decent discussion would look like. Um, how do I prepare? 
Right. Um, I know a lot of churches, every church has a different definition of what discipleship looks like for them. So, like, how do I know I'm successfully discipling someone? What resources does my church have available? Um, like, for instance, like marriage mentoring or stuff like that, where it may not necessarily be their job, but how can I connect people to the resources of the mm-hmm. church? Um, and then, like, how do I know I'm being successful as a group leader? So, once again, like, every church has a different goal with groups. So, like, uh, at, at, at my church, how do I know that I'm being successful? Right. These are all good. What What else? Prayer. Prayer? Prayer helps me a lot because I did a live group for 50, 50 years and up. And I got to 85 years old. So 50 to 85, that's a wide range. Yeah, that, and, and, yeah. And, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of unconventional. I'm, I'm uh-huh. I use video uh-huh. and they love it. They come to my house I... YouTube is a great thing. Yeah. I found, and they like it, and then, it's, and then it sparks interaction. Right. And then I've learned things from my church members I never imagined. Right. But I was like, you said, I have no industry. There's a church member, pastor came up and said, can you do this? Yeah, but isn't that how it often happens? Like, can you do this? Oh, yeah, sure. And then you figure out what it is you just said yes to. Right. And and then as you walk in it, you start to think, hmm, I didn't realize this. I wasn't I didn't know this is exactly what I was getting into when I got into this. But okay, I'm here and I'm going to figure it out. What else? Well, I was. Or we were fortunate that we kind of inherited our uh-huh. life group. We had been attending life groups for a couple years, and then when the people who were hosting our life group were led to move on, um, we just kind of yeah, it at our place. Um, when we started out, though, what really helped me was having like a, a planned lesson. We started out with some of the Andy Stanley right video series, is where you had. Right. The DVD to show, and it had your list of discussion questions to kind of mm-hmm. help prepare yep. you. And now this year, I've been a little bit more challenged because I'm putting our lesson together, and YouTube is great. Okay. That. We've been doing proverbs and stuff, uh, and it's been good. But I think um, the best thing is, unless you're in a church where life groups is a whole new thing, to encourage And sometimes, yeah, bringing those together can be a challenge. We've had to do that. Yes. Kids six and under running around, create causing you know chaos. 
while we're trying to discuss how to, you know, parent them. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it's been interesting. Yeah, yeah. So environment, you know, can be a challenge on on how to set the right environment, whether you offer childcare or not, yeah. right? Uh, generally, if you're going to do a young families, you're either going to have the kids there or you're going to have childcare available, right? It's hard to have a young families small group and not have made arrangements for the kids, yeah. right? It it just doesn't work. Um, but um, and, and then we try to do that, but getting the child care piece worked out can be a challenge. Yeah. Well, you know, like at our church, we have some home groups that's within like a five-mile radius of the church. Uh-huh. And at the church on Wednesday nights, there is yeah. kids service. There is kids so there. go drop the kids off mm-hmm. to a right. Yes, we do have a few home groups that are life groups that do on Wednesday night for that very reason. So they pick Wednesday night. So the adults drop off the kids at girls ministry or Royal Rangers right at the church. And then they go and do their life group at the same time. Another suggestion. I don't know if your churches have youth groups. But um, we have kids trying to raise money for fine arts and youth group. And so oftentimes the people that Pastor Chris usually leads the um, small group or young families. And so he will have the kids come over in the basement of his house and watch the kids while they're doing a small group. So the kids are raising money for fine arts or whatever they buy babysitting for the youth students by watching those kids. Right. So youth students, we do use youth students for a lot of our child care needs because we have some groups that meet on Thursday mornings like and other times, and we do. We use it, especially for those ones, it's normally ones who are homeschooled, but we use the youth group, and they use that as one of their ways to raise money for fine arts, for camp, other things by providing Childhood. Yeah. In our church, we started home groups, and uh, it is one group, and uh, they decided they would provide food to the adults at their house because mm-hmm. they would, you know, but they had no training at all. Mm-hmm. Well, then after about four months, they thought well, this is an awful lot of work and money getting all this food together. Mm-hmm. So I think, like people, when they start in you know, a home group, they need to have training first. Right. I'm going to jump to one section. You know, I had this outline, but I also believe that you got to be flexible. One of the things that I I did, um, the equipping, right? This idea of equipping the small group leaders, and you'll probably hear you've heard me say this already. I'm not a one size fits all. Um, I think that's also with small group leaders. So one of the things I've done with our small group leaders is I actually place them in tiers, right? So these are in groupings, right? Um, and I do a level, level one, two, and three or tier one, two, and three. Um, the level one are those that are, they're experienced leaders. They may already lead other ministries. They, all right, um, Shanna would be in a it would be in the level one. Like Pastor Chris is going to be in level one. I I don't need to go through and worry about training or those type of things with the level one 
um, leaders. Uh, they, and, and so for them, the support they get from me is more just upon request, right? And, and there has been, like, uh, Shannon and I have worked on the, um, the life group hub and the life group application and some things like that. But, um, so, so those are for those more experienced leaders. If you have someone who's been leading life group for five years, six years, 10 years, and you're doing a life group training and it's more of an introduction, they don't want to be there and they don't need to be there and don't make it mandatory for them to be there. All right. So I, so that's the level one. Those in level two, um, are ones where I check in with them periodically and I normally do more targeted training with them. So those are the ones they have a little bit more experience. All right. And so some of the training I'm doing with them is more along conflict management, right? Managing some of the difficult personalities because you do get some difficult personalities within a small group. Managing, um, conversations, like some awkward conversations when you get that person who overshares, all right, or dominates conversations or um, likes to be um, overly helpful in the advice that they give to others as part of the small group, right? Those type of situations, and so someone in that level two, they, they need some guidance on handling some of those more complicated, complex things. And they may, may need some help with curriculum um, if they get stuck or if they want to go into a particular area, perhaps, that they haven't gone into before. Uh, and so they may need some suggestions, some advice. They may need some mentoring and coaching, but it's not all the time. It's often situational. Okay. Level three are a lot of the newer small group leaders. They may be brand new. They need training, right? They need training to get started. They need to understand expectations. They need to understand what a small group is, what discipleship is. You know, they need all of those beginning type things. Um, how to set the right environment, what they, you know, how to set themselves up for success from the beginning. So they need all of those things. Um, they, these, these are the four full support group. Not only do they need that, but they need periodic check-ins. Um, and I visit for those ones, I try and visit their small groups, uh, right. And I sit in on their small groups. Now that can be a challenge when I, you know, I'm supporting all the small group leaders. I have my own small group and then I'm trying to visit some of these ones. So, you know, I, I try and manage that a little bit, but, but it can be a challenge. Um, and they generally need, uh, they need a lot of help with curriculum and content, either through using videos that you recommend, or if they are going to select their own cur- curriculum, having that reviewed and approved in advance. Now, I will say that I have, I, I'm normally a stickler of this, but I let my guard down a little bit and got a little lax a little bit with some of the curriculum review. And then I went to visit the small group and I'm sitting there and I'm hearing this conversation about the material they're going through and all kinds of like, you know, bells are going off in my head. Like this is not good. So I leave that when I leave that small group, I go and I do some research online on this this um, leaders whose materials they were using a study it, and 
his philosophy on things. And I'm like, Ooh, like this is really not good. Um, so that was a lesson learned, right? Uh, to, to make sure that I, regardless of how busy I am, I don't get lax in that area with newer small group how leaders. Did you, how did you go about handling that? Then? <laughs> um, so it was interesting because this group has, they are a very tight knit group that, uh, that, um, they sit together, worship together, they go out and eat lunch together. They do a lot of things together. So they have a great deal of respect for the two leaders in it. And so I knew that, that, um, anything, any, if, to the extent that those leaders suddenly felt like they were, um, didn't have a place at Radiant, that, that the rest of the group was probably going to go with them, right? Because that's just how tight they are. Um, so this is one where I went through some mentoring and coaching and like sought some advice on how to handle this. And ultimately, what we've decided um, is several things. So I am really now much more deeply engaged in coaching the leaders of that group, um, meeting with them more frequently, um, not quite weekly, but almost close to that um, and um, really trying to steer them as to their next study because at this point by the time I actually visited them they were about three quarters of the way through this study oh, yeah. so to stop it now would have been very very awkward right so it's it, as even though I know there are some things that are not sound doctrinally I was like, they're going to, they will finish the study and then I'm going to help guide them from this point forward on where they go next and hopefully correct some of the things in their thinking that may have got out of whack in that previous study. So I'm still in the middle of that process. Yeah, that's right. I was going to say, I feel like you didn't go in and just take all the material away. So no, I I did not take all the materials away. I do have the materials on my nightstand is a reminder to pray for that group and to pray for me. <laughs> do you as a coach have them give you a report weekly or monthly? I do not. Um, I, do, I do not. Uh, one of the things I do do, um, uh, I, I, I connect with them generally very informally because I see most of them on Sundays, right? And I, I check in, but I also do, I do ask them for prayer requests. I do try and do check-ins. Um, you've heard me say this. Um, and my check-ins are around this idea of what they need to be successful from at a personal level, right? And it's this thing that I forget where I got it from, but it's called, it's like this RPMS is the initials, relational, physical, mental, spiritual, right? And so it's things of asking them, how are they being nurtured, right? What are they doing to nurture their own spiritual growth? Uh, where, where are they at with God? Like what, what has God been working on in their lives currently? How are they growing? That aspect of those type of questions. How do they receive care? Have you ever thought about how do your small group leaders receive care? 
generally it's not going to be within the small group that they're leading. Right? Because they are providing care or they're administering care or they're, they're trying to understand the needs of the other small, of the other small group members. A lot, sometimes it may happen, it depends, but generally that is not where they are going to receive their own care. So how do they receive care? Alright, so I ask them, how are you receiving care? What care do you need? What's going on in your life? Um, who steps in when they need a break? When was the last time they had a break? Um, when, if you only have one leader, it's pretty hard for them to take a break unless the small group just doesn't lead any, uh, meet while they're on break. Right? And we've had that situation. That is difficult because then the small group gets out of that routine and it's, it's almost like they have to restart. Um, I already mentioned what, what are they doing to grow in their spiritual life. And it has to be more than just preparing for the, for the next small group. Right? They can't be studying or reading the Bible just to prepare <laughs> for the next lesson. Right? That would be like a pastor only reading to prepare for sermons. They have to have something more that they're doing beyond getting ready for a small group. Right? And so I, try to fill that out, but it's not on a formal schedule. I, I try and keep track of who I've talked to recently to see if there's someone I haven't talked to. Um, so I do have all of them listed in an Excel spreadsheet. Okay, this is going to be the CPA in me, right? So I have a dashboard with an Excel spreadsheet. I'm not, it's not nearly as complex as it sounds. It's just their name and the last time I talked to them and when I'm going to talk to them again. So it is not complex, right? <laughs> okay. Um, and, um, but I do try and do that, but there are some that I am in a natural relationship with because we serve together or we do other things. So for them, I don't need to set up a formal coaching meeting or a formal check-in or whatnot. I'm checking in with them regularly. I just got to be intentional about the questions I ask when we're together. So like your small group overseer. Yes. Okay, that's kind of what we do at ours. What we do at our church is, like, before any lesson is taught, it must be presented and said and checked. That way, nothing like that happens where you step in and you're like, whoa. Wow, well, wow. not quite what we believe here in our... Yeah, yeah. So that's something that I know that we make sure that, that our leaders know. Yeah. And, and they, so they don't have to do that. They can just kind of small group just pick and choose. Right no, no. Um, so we have, so I, I, I probably should have, I didn't preface this before. Um, we are, we have some legacy small groups. So there, when you inherit a small group structure or a small group ministry, there are some legacy things that you inherit. Um, and, yes. 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 And, and so, and, and so you can set up this whole great structure for the new small groups that you start, but you still have to deal with some of this stuff that was there before. Right. And so some of those things. And so we're still cleaning some of that up. Well, we also have 26 small groups running weekly or monthly. And so that would be 26 lessons for you to hear every single right. month or week, which I think is a lot. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Keep a finger on. 
Yeah, and that's why I went to that tearing system and and whatnot because I cannot possibly follow up with twenty six leaders every week to know exactly what they're doing. But those tier threes, yeah, that's where I have to. Yeah, yes, those ones absolutely. Yeah, those are the ones that need all the attention. What I got to be careful of is I don't give them so much attention that I'm not at least checking in with the tier two, one and two to see that they're okay. Right. It's the squeaky wheel or the, you know, that thing. I can't, I, I do want to make sure that they're still okay, even though my focus is on the, the newer ones. How do you handle if 26 groups? Not all of them have the same type of personality, right? Correct. Oh, not at all. <laughs> not at all. you They're not all doing the same study. They're not all leading their groups the same way. Their personalities are absolutely reflected. Some are weekly, some are monthly, some are uh, two times a month. Um, some are using... Um, Formal studies, they're doing, uh, some are doing a video series, some are going through a, reading a book, some are doing their own study, right? So, um, they are all very different from that perspective, reflective of generally their personality and the purpose of the group and whatnot. Um, the only way to deal with those different personalities is to get to know the people. There, there's just no shortcut to relationship in the small group business. There just isn't. Uh, I, you know, I don't know how else to put it. You just have to spend time and get to know them. I think like, supporting your small group leaders, you have to be adaptable to like life. You know, like it's it's really like how life is just constantly changing. That's kind of what you're dealing. With. You're dealing with their lives and and giving them resources to better their life. Hopefully. <laughs> And so it's, it's very adaptable. Like you have to be adaptable to, you know, finding out what's going on in so-and-so's life or this couple or that person or yeah. them as a whole or what is going on in your small group. Like you have to adapt to Yes. Um, and we do have some things that we try and help to formalize that a little bit, but not everyone uses them. So we have small group cards where they can like share things with me about what's going on. Now, the one advantage they do have is they always know where to find me on Sunday if they really need to get a hold of me because I'm going to be in our connection room after service. And so unless I'm just not at church, I'm going to be in the connection room. And that can be interesting because sometimes I'm trying to talk to guests at the same time as there are there's people waiting to talk to me. And so, yeah. <laughs> Um, Shanna, what, uh, a couple things I did want to share with, cause this is a challenge we have for small group leaders is helping them stay excited over the long term. All right. So, um, your group's been going on two years now and just some of the things you do to stay excited. This is for the leader, right? The leader to stay excited about still being small group leader to stay charged fresh because you know the energy of the small group really is inherited from the energy of the leader mm-hmm. right so so I think the number one thing that's super helpful for being sustainable in a small group is having a co-leader 
whether that's a spouse or another couple that co-leads with you, but having someone that you can lean on that you know they're going to be there kind of in the trench with you, whatever the, the meeting or the event or the activity holds, I think that's been like a super healthy thing for us. Um, we also always try to have kind of an activity plan for the evening. So, and this is outside of, we do other activities outside of our first Friday. And I'm going to have you share that right as soon as you're done with that yeah. point. So we're going to go straight to that one when you're done. Okay. But within our first Friday, we have our, our meeting kind of structured that we do food and kind of hangout time while everyone arrives. Everyone kind of trickles in at different times. And then we do lesson, worship prayer time and then we have some sort of activity very loosely structured <laughs> some interesting games yes. Want to talk about. yes we have <laughs> a mildly uh, competitive group but we play um board games we play catchphrase um we watch movies we set up like an old school nintendo in the front room um and just having kind of a different random thing that we can go to right after if people are interested and then just we have a stockpile of board games that we can always fall back on if right. the activity is not really landing sometimes with movies and stuff um, it helps to have the movie picked out ahead of time because if you open it up for discussion you kind of never land on a decision <laughs> it would take two hours it's like 12 and you're like okay bye guys I'm like yep we're not watching a movie anymore it's midnight yeah um I think also noting the small wins helps you to be sustainable. Um, so every time like a new face shows up at our group, that's exciting. Um, we do always try and track our numbers, not because the numbers are like what matters, but because we think that they're a good indicator of how our group, and particularly our core group, who bring people with them, are feeling about the group as a whole. You notice that, I want to stop right there for a minute. Is that it is not on Shanna and Matt's shoulders to grow the small group, right? I mean, they, they obviously invite, but they have created a culture where everyone else that's part of that core small group is expected to invite. Yes. All right, go ahead. Continue. Um, another small one that we like to track is, um, some of the prayer requests that are brought up during prayer time, we've seen an increase, I think, in people's just transparency and how open they are. And it's also a really good way um, for us to kind of keep a finger to kind of the hard points of what people are going through um, because they they don't normally, now sometimes they do, but they don't normally walk into your house and say, hey, you know, I'm really struggling with this and this is what's going on in my life. There you go, you know, right up front. But during like our prayer request time, um, we we usually are able to kind of get some insight through that that then we can follow up with later. Um, I do think something we can actually do even better is we try and activate our attenders. Um, and so we try to equip them to invite people. And so what the biggest thing that we did, I think, along that vein was um, regularizing our schedule, so that first Friday. Um, and then we also printed um, like some flyers through Got Print Online. They're pretty cheap, but they... But they're nice, they, the open yeah. club, yeah. But they say, you know, you're invited, open club, they have the vision of the group, the age group of the group, and then they kind of give you time and place, first Friday, 
basic structure and then kind of um, our, Matt and I's contact information if they want to reach out. And, and all the core members have one because I know Monique has some, right? And so everyone is expected to have those cards available on them so that they can extend an invite. And I think a big thing in that is also that we decided up front that we weren't, we other than the age demographic, because we do want to protect like our group as a young adult group, so we want to protect kind of that vein, and other than that, it's completely low, open. Like, people can invite people from work, from school, they don't have to attend the church, we have several people that come from other churches, um, but I think, like, we called it the open club because we want it to be an access point for people that don't go to church. And so we were a little bit nervous about putting no restriction on it, like what that could bring. But it's actually been like a huge, I, I think it um, exclusivity actually ends up being a burden in the long run. Um, yeah, and we've seen people attending RLC that started in the small group, right? Awesome. So they started, their first attendance was at the small group, not at the church. And now they're attending church because of the small group. Um, some of the other activities that you do, you want to mention that real quick? I noticed we're down to seven minutes. It's yes. amazing how quick the time goes. <laughs> um, so some of the connection builders that we do, one thing that I want to push because I think is a huge difference maker, we have a Facebook group. Um, Facebook is definitely, in terms of social media platforms, the largest social media platform that you can be on. It has the widest um, demographics. And even even in our group, not everyone has a Facebook, but it at least gives the core group a lot of the information that they need to know right up to date what we are preparing for them that weekend or whatever is coming up. It also helps with that activate your attenders piece. Um, because we can have people that then get, you know, get into the group and they're like, hey, we want to go to Hocking Hills this weekend. Great. Twelve people go to Hocking Hills that weekend and they go hiking and they have a great time and they plan where they're going to meet. And um, and you didn't have to plan it. Yeah. And they've gone like ice skating. They've gone bowling, movies. Yeah. Like, bowling. Um, Buffalo Wild Wings. Just <laughs> random outings. And so in that way, um, our group really has created like a sustainable life of its own where like Matt and I don't have to even be at every single event. Everybody is cross connecting. It's not all up to us. And so Facebook groups, I think huge. And then also um, just empowering your people to plan their own events and get their people together and giving them the tools um, to be able to do that and kind of pull people in. Cause we have several not everyone's going to do that but we have several instigators in the group that like come up with activities sam is one of them yes and they can just get a group and they go do um we just had holly instigated um signing up down at the dream center and doing like an outreach weekend down there and so we this year that's one of our goals for our small group is to actually us be pushing more of those types of things um Right. That I know they've done escape room. So the whole point here, though, is that um, the relationships that can grow in small group, um, that that connection point, I do believe that's what people are really hungry for. Oh, yeah. Right. They're absolutely hungry for that. And one of the things we can do with small group leaders is help them see how they can facilitate that without it being in 
administrative burden or another thing that they need to do and plan and have all of this stuff around. It's not another expense for them. It's not another meal they need to prepare. It's not another time that they need to clean their house and all that stuff. They just need to think more creatively. Like what do people like doing? Right. Not everyone's going to do everything. That's the other mindset that has to change is that for it to count as a small group activity, everyone in the small group has to be on board with doing it. No, you have a wide range of people, right? Wide range group. Some people are going to take the different things. That's okay. We want, you know, it's the same in a church, right? Not everyone's going to participate in all the activities of a church. Not everyone's going to participate in all the activities of their small group. And that's okay. And the more that they're taking over that planning, the more organic it becomes, right? So helping them see that, you know, just, just put it out there. Let, the, let go of the control, right? Stop trying to control it and let it just, right? Put boundaries around it, right? You're not going to let you, someone in a small group, especially someone new that may not go to the church or whatnot, you're not going to let them invite them out to, um, Access, which is a gay nightclub in Columbus, right? Okay, so you will put some boundaries on what they can invite them to, but uh, you know, but but let let go of the control a bit, right? And and so the way if they can be coached on that, that will help them because um, often they think they have to do all of this. So I said the di- discipleship is what they lead, yeah. is what they facilitate, right? But they are not responsible for every single aspect of it, and that's part of the messaging that is needed, is that they are facilitators, they are leaders, they are coaches, mentors, guides. They are not responsible for everything, Right? Um, so what I will close with, um, the other piece of helping the, that connection and building, uh, the group dynamic is taking advantage, encouraging small group leaders to take advantage of the larger group activities, things that the church does or things that the network does, right? I've been trying to encourage our leaders to say, you know, you have a woman's group or, you know, whatnot. Go to Time Apart together, right? Get your small group together, go to Time Apart. All right, take advantage of those things. Time Apart, game day, synergy here, right? There, there's all kinds of things that are already structured activities where all they have to do is register. They could go together. There's no effort involved on their end. They could then have something that they can debrief if they want. Um, and so, so it's giving them some of those ideas and planting those seeds so that they understand that it's not, not everything requires additional time and money to do. We are at the end. Wow. Um, I don't know that I got through everything, but I will say that, um, the last point I think is that we need to show appreciation, right? Amen. If we say what we need, Amen. appreciation, right? And Let them know that it matters what they do and help them see the big picture of how this connects to the vision of the church because a lot of them may not know. That if they're less stressed, then it makes for a better, stronger. Yeah. Yes. So if they know that you're appreciating it and they know that, you know, 
you're grateful for them putting in all this time for you know the two to four hours that you guys are together they're going to like to do it more and it's going to encourage the leaders to keep going yep Alright, so I will say let me know what, what you need. I do have a small group Facebook page for small group leaders or small group pastors, directors, and I'm trying to get more people connected to it so that I haven't been posting to it as regularly as I will once we grow the audience. Right, so the more people I get in there, the more people I'll, uh, the more I'll start posting in there, sharing resources, coaching, mentoring, all those types of things. Alright?